Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. I'm Chris with Marco and Tad. Two in a row, guys, all together for the podcast. How are you? It's good to be here, Chris. Uh, it's been hell week at work, but at least I have Curve America to ease my mind at night. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm basically on my last gasp. I leave for hashtag Roma Wedding Derby on Saturday, my first trip back to Rome since Leslie and I moved little over three years ago. Um, I couldn't care less about anything that work has to offer, yet I have tons of stuff to do so I don't screw it up and so I can basically enjoy my three weeks in Italy. But you know what, man? Que stress. Que stress. I am right there with you, Tad. Uh, Italy's going to be great. I just have to get there first. And so work is uh, pretty crazy right now. So I, uh, I almost had my uh, drink of the week be fireball. This week, just, <laughs> just to do it. Just to do it, yep. No, we went for something a little bit lighter. We will survive, guys. Um, let's turn to the soccer world. We're heading over to Europe, so some news about international uh, uh, Champions uh, League action. We've got oh, up in Dortmund, we wanted to mention this. Um, just applause to the soccer community. Uh, we, were, we put it out on our social media there was an incident before the, the Dortmund game, and they, the fans opened up uh, their, their homes, literally, with the hashtag bed for away fans. Um, and just uh, for all the Monaco fans that took them up on the offer there, we just wanted to uh, uh, offer you know, our applause to that. That was just really cool, being part of the soccer community on that note. But the question for you guys, Dortmund wasn't happy after they played the game. Uh, it didn't go their way. Would you have wanted to play in that game if you're out on the field as a player? Well, first of all, I'd like to offer three beds to away fans um, at my Washington, D.C. condo, just as long as they're willing to watch and feed Pepper for the entire time that I'm in Italy. But maybe do some of your work. <laughs> yeah, just stay on top of things. I'll leave a, a binder for you that'll be color you know, coded and you'll know what to do. Um, basically when in doubt, just call my assistant Dominique. But, um, you know, for me, honestly, it, it really kind of bothered me that they played this game. I thought it was definitely should have been something that was, uh, uh postponed. Um, I, you know, I, I just can't see any reason why the next day after, you know, an attack like this, that they have these players out there, especially a player getting injured. Like, you know, this was a close call and I don't see any reason for them other than just kind of like the money and the flow and the process that um, goes into this whole thing, that being the Champions League, that they weren't willing to just hit pause for a little while, um, you know, because you know, the athletes are going to play. If, if you tell them to play, they're not going to want to come off as soft. And so I thought it should have been something that UEFA just stepped in on and said, no, we're going to we're going to pause this thing for a while. Completely agree. And uh, look. Dortmund makes enough money. If the concern is there's away fans, they can they can pay for their trips back and forth and back and forth twenty million times over because they definitely make enough money. Uh, not to mention, you know, the Champions League organization, Europa, UEFA, all all combined. You know, the expenses can be covered. So I completely agree. There's no way they should have played that second game. And like now, it just uh, adds a shadow of a doubt. Bartra, who got injured, is the starting center back. So, you know, what, what's what's going on here, guys? It's another thing that money trumps all. Unfortunately, it's it's really disappointing and disheartening. Yeah, it's uh, tough to see. Uh, um, you know, I don't know. It's 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 certainly a tough call. Uh, we, we, we have dealt with that as well with, with our sporting events here. Um, I guess the only thing we could say is hopefully it doesn't happen again and we don't have to deal with it. So our thoughts to Dortmund. Um, I still think it was cool, Bedford away fans, for, for uh, you know, well done there. The counter to that we saw in Lyon, who Roma lost in uh, the Europa uh, tournament. Uh, those fans at those games are attacking players. So the soccer community, while I'm very happy to be part of it, 
we seem to have a ways to go for uh, all the games uh, not not uh, going as, as planned. Did so. we get knocked out of Europa by a team whose fans are so angry at them that they're running on the field and beating them up? Yeah, it, it, it just seems crazy. Yep. So we've got some ways to go. Uh, shape up, Leon. Uh, but again, uh, well done, Bedford Away fans. Guys, we got some social media uh, and AS Roma 360 that we want to mention. We got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Fabio at CurveAmerica.com, and ASRoma360.com is another website where you can find our podcast. Please find us out on there. Tweet at us. Uh, love to hear the feedback on what you think of the podcast. I saw this on my way home today. I was actually podcast review checking and driving. That's how much I've given up this week. Um, and I also, it took me 90 minutes to get home from, from work today. So grazie, DC traffic. Um, but we did get a new one. Great to find a podcast for the American Serie A fan. Honest commentary with comedic edge. That, they must be talking about you, Chris Ross, the boss. <laughs> and then for all of us, 100% worth the listen. So this is from cert1f13dh001gan. So unless you're a member of the Borg, um, that seems like a pretty <laughs> generic name out there. Um, but you know, since we can't call you out personally for your 46-hour-ago contribution, I, I, I just guess this sounds like a real... Real gem of a human being, if you ask me. Real scholar and a and a gentleman or a gentlewoman, but whoever is, I, I imagine, I imagine, yeah, yeah. You know, this is it might be artificial intelligence, like the smartest thing in the universe has now commented on our podcast and likes it, yeah, and says we're funny and like one hundred percent worth a listen. I mean, that's like for a robot, that's that's pretty high statistics. Hundred percent, they don't give like a a ninety three point four or anything like that. We get one hundred percent, so. Thank you, robot. We will take it. We're also available on SoundCloud, another opportunity. Thomas, thanks for all your thoughts. We, we appreciate the feedback, man. And for the rest of you that haven't rated and commented, um, resistance is futile. The Borg are now commenting on our, <laughs> on our podcast, so get out there. All right. So, guys, we're going to quickly go around. Uh, we're already uh, ready to drink some wine in Rome, but this time we're drinking some French wine, so we're making up for it for the French fans. We're drinking a Carignan, and uh, we all poured a glass, clearly ready for vacation. Um, yeah, it's so good, it makes me want to beat up some soccer players. <laughs> and uh, uh, the other guys are drinking water, but uh, that's what we got for the drinks this week. And so we hope everybody settles in, enjoys the Week 32 rundown, and here we go with the rundown right now. A week with two controversial derby endings and rowdy Easter fans gave the Serie A a buona pasqua. Did the new Milan owners sell some of their soul or the team to the Chinese people? Checo and Belotti keep pace for Capo Conanieri with Iguain getting hot right behind him. Napoli and Roma begin to wage war for second place and a whole bunch of way too early transfer talk and coaching speculation did occur. Let's take it away guys, starting with the top five. Up first, we've got Piscara and Juventus. This one finished 0-2. Fatboy G goes to work on the Dolphins and gets within reach of the Capo Conanieri race. M-Dog. M-Dog, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this was the perfect game for Juventus to play because, you know, Roma was building up ahead of steam. They were only six points away before the start of the game. And with a busy Champions League back-to-back -back week, this is the kind of game that seemed like a tune-up match before the second leg against Barcelona. But actually, it's Pescara who, off the goal kick, get a big opportunity. They test backup keeper Storrari. And guys, this guy makes his seasonal appearance in the net for Juve this, this year. And, uh, you know, what better team than Pescara, you know, so that you can get a couple practice saves in. <laughs> Just like training, that's right. Iguain opens up the score in the 21st minute, and then he closes up shop with a second 20 minutes later. This is all kinds of goal-scoring opportunities or, or record things for, for Fatboy G's. Seventh brace of the season. He has 23 goals. He's the most prolific Juventus forward since Trezeguet. Trezeguet. Trezeguate. I think that's perfect. Perfect pronunciation. Whatever it is, sounds like he got beat up by a bunch of Leon fans um, <laughs> since his 24 in 2001, 2002. So that was a long time ago. Um, 
Yeah, back snap, son. Back when I was still in high school. And uh, Fat Boy G becomes one of eight players to score 200 goals in the 20, 21st century. Dude, listen to these other names. Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, the Zlatan, Eredi Roma Toti, Di Natale, Eta O, and Henri. Dude's legit. Yep, those are quality names to be mentioned in. Definitely. But these two goals that he scores, I mean, classic right place, right time poacher goals. Uh, the first one was really all cuadrado. He takes a shot, then it's, you know, the keeper saves it, then he lays it across for, for Iguain. And then the second was all Mandzukic with the, with the little touch on the head, and it uh, it gets a little touch on the head. Yeah, sounds like high school all over again. <laughs> and the second one's all Mandzukic. He heads it down in the six-yard box, and Iguain comes sliding in, tucks it away. And you guys know what happens here on out. I mean, it's Juventus basically possessing the ball, creating chances, Piscata creating chances and not finishing. Uh, and then Juventus coming out with the three points. They extend their lead on Roma by two points after the Roma-Atalanta tie. A little bit of foreshadowing right there. But guys, I mean, look, this this game, you know, is the first team versus the last team in the Serie A. It's a training talk, exercise. We got to talk about the Champions League. Yep. I mean, it's 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 the Serie A pride right now. Let's talk about the Juventus' performance against Barcelona midweek and really what to expect out of tomorrow's game at the Camp Nou. And this game was just a perfect performance. I mean, granted, Barca did miss some chances, but, you know, it's Champions League. I mean, when you're at that level, you need both luck and you need to have a masterclass performance. And that that's really exactly what happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, going on to the, the Dybala thing as well. I mean, the Juventus backline did take care of business. Uh, you know, they have too much composure. Um, and, you know, they just got that nastiness to them that, you know, if you'd ask the casual fan coming in this game, what can you expect out of the Juventus-Barcelona game? And people, most people probably would have been like, Juventus are going to sit 11 behind the ball. You know, they're going to try and get a 0-0 draw. They're going to try and win 1-0. And they came out and they got after it. And Marco and I were talking last week in our prediction for this game is who's going to need to be the most impactful player is Dybala. And like you said, you know, he made a name, quote-unquote, made a name for himself in Europe with this performance. But, you know, I mean, how can you not like that dude? He's nasty. And Juventus, like Marco said, top to bottom, man. I mean, they're composed. And it's really nice to see that championship mentality, that X factor that we talk about on the podcast with Juventus on display in front of the world to see. By the way, they've given up two goals so far in the Champions League. So, I mean, if you can look back and and see where uh, Italy was when they won the World Cup in 2006, I think they only had two goals scored against them until the final. So, I mean, you got a little bit of... uh, Continuity there. Continuity baby. there. Wait a minute. Let me pull up my tarot cards. Is this is this a repeat? Last thing I wanted to say about this game was that we talked last week about kind of the big factors of the game being the defense, Dybala. Um, I threw in there Sammy Kadira as being one of the crucial elements. But we should have also spoken about Mandzukic out in the wing because yeah. I mean it, it's happened time in you know time and again throughout the season that when he plays that role he's just a workhorse and he helps the front players like Iguain and Dybala to really focus on being dangerous going forward and Mandzukic this game he was a freaking warrior yeah I mean it's it's really inspiring to watch him play when he just goes all out in games like this and if you think about it you know every game he plays in the Serie A I mean we get to see him every week he does play as hard as he possibly can. And sometimes, you know, he, he does, he has a smaller impact or, you know, he has maybe a couple um, physical, not necessarily tactical blunders that keep him from being, you know, the best player on the pitch every, you know, every week or having an enormous contribution every week. But he's, he's really quality and he's, he has a motor that just doesn't stop. For some reason, getting in fights with Rakitic is, you know, fellow countryman. I mean, he was getting fights. He was shoving Messi. I mean, this guy, I love this guy. Just doesn't care about anything. Just working for the team. And again, just uh, one of the keys of, of why I think Juventus was able to pull out this victory. Now, I'm ashamed to ask it, but guys, predictions for the next leg. I mean, for me, it's obvious that Juventus goes through. They're not going to concede. I think it's kind of the only reason you're bringing it up is because of what happened last round. But, you know, this team just has too many leaders. They're too stacked. 
Yeah, I think the foreshadowing of what could have happened uh, or, or what did happen with PSG for them to replicate that, um, Jesus, man, like it just can't happen again. That that should not happen if you're preparing mentally for this for this game. And you know Allegri, he's up all night watching that tape of that PSG game. He's got that thing, you know, he's got the tactics sorted out. If anything, you know, Barca wins at home like one nothing or max two nothing, you know, two one. Yeah, I mean, if if you look at also in the headlines this week with Verratti saying that Thiago Silva is better than Bonucci and Chiellini because you know the Juventus duos they need each other, but Silva is good with anyone, bro. Bro, not only is that going to make it awkward in the you know yeah. the Azzurri locker room for you. Yeah, we'll see what he's saying next year yeah, when he's wearing a UA jersey. <laughs> All right, guys. So we uh, we are rooting for Juve and Champions League uh, this this uh, week, representing Syria. Um, but for the table itself, we've got Juve clearly up in first place with eighty points, and at the bottom in twentieth place, clearly going to get relegated as Pescara in fort- with fourteen points. Up next, we got Roma and Atalanta. This one finished with a 1-1 draw. Roma seals any hope for glory this season with a devastating tie at home versus Atalanta. Guys, looking on the calendar last month, you knew that this was going to be a telling game. I mean, Roma's trying to keep pace with Juve, and Atalanta's still trying to finish in Europe. Big game for both teams. Look, Roma and Atalanta start the game by trading blows. The game's back and forth, really open match. And then Kucic opens up the scoring. Right after that, though, Jekyll gets his 25th of the year. He's still on pace for the Capo Cagnonieri, guys. And again, that's probably the last thing we have to hold on to this season as Roma fans. Yeah, it'll be a feather in our cap if he he does get it. But uh, this was definitely just with Roma Club uh, after watching this game, guys. Just uh, It was like a funeral after because you could feel it. You could feel like, man... We we needed a perfect April and and this one didn't go our way. Uh, I think this is this is not going to go well for us. I don't see Juve dropping eight points with a few games left. That's right, man. I mean, look, the second half is basically a full out onslaught by the Lupi. I mean, we got De Rossi hitting the post off a bike attempt. We got Nangolan hitting the post. Couple rocket shots. Jacko, Strutman. Everyone's just missing. Uh, Roma's throwing everything but the damn kitchen sink. And just can't seem to get that goal. I mean, guys. De Rossi's shot, I mean, we almost lost it. If that went in, goal of the year, making Sports Center, just just impressive uh, shot that just, you know, hit woodwork. I would be shirtless right now with a De Rossi tattoo chess piece <laughs> right now if that would have gone in. Spalletti even throws in Totti last five minutes, and he basically creates like three or four chances uh, just in that time, I'm still asking myself, you know, why? Because yeah, yeah. why not just put Totti in the last 15 minutes? Spalletti's an absolute enigma. Uh, you know, these are really the kind of things that make me think, you know, he's probably does not have the pedigree to be swooped up for a potential vacant Juventus managerial position at the end of this season. Because of how he's using Totti? Not only that, but because of his subbing in general. I mean, we've yeah. been saying it all season. I mean doesn't make any sense you know it's just sometimes you really are left scratching your head well yeah and you look at you know some of the key points of the season for Roma this year it seems like the team's out of gas like the bow out against uh Lyon in the Europa League that just seems severely diminished um the the midweek game um that we got knocked out of the uh Copa Italia against OTFR a team that seemed to be running on fumes, not a gas. Um, you know, where Rudy Garcia kind of lacked the tactics and the creativity, it seems like now um, what we're lacking is the depth or the just the, the ability to show some courage at depth. Like, why keep trotting out the same players over and over and over again and then playing them long minutes against teams they don't need to be playing? Right, I agree with that. And and really, the, the point for me on Roma is... is it's it seems to be an issue the depth thing because i've read an article where checo says you know we have to play a lot and pianic left last last year arguably because he felt he got overworked as the midfielder uh for roma that i don't know why we don't bring up more of the primavera players to to soften the load or or 
you know, to buy more. We're we're a top tier team. We're not buying enough players. We'll I play Dalty against some of these trash teams. Yeah, right. Like how many trash teams do we need to play to get Dalty more than ninety minutes? We played Bologna. We played Empoli. We played Sassuolo. We've played Palermo. We've well, we lost to Napoli, but yeah, a lot a lot of the powder puff teams, and our stats get padded by. You know, these four or five game win streaks or these unbeaten home streaks and stuff like that because we do play these patsies and take care of business. But as Juventus is showing, where Scudetti are won in Italy is your ability to win the big games or not burn yourself out winning five or six consecutive games and then losing or drawing a team you should certainly beat. Yep. Last thing, I mean, look. I have to say that Petagna, for me, it really increases stock, stock this game. Uh, the young Bulldog forward was really a force, uh, especially in the first half. I mean, I saw him bodying Fazio, outrunning Fazio. He's overall just wreaking havoc in the Roma defense. Definitely another revelation of the year for Atalanta. They got plenty. and I, Really, like Atalanta, even though they need three points to stay on pace for Europe, they should be extremely happy to come out of this game with a point, especially because they're missing their top dog, Alejandro Papu Gomez. Well, yeah, but they were also missing their starting keeper, Barisha. Um, they, you know, they lost Galli Radini. Spinazzola didn't play in this game. So we're talking about a diminished Atalanta side that everyone just waiting week after week. Is this the week they're going to go down? Is this the week they're, they're going to finally start to implode? And stealing a point away... And in the Olympico against Roma, I mean, I don't care who you are. Roma is is a quality team. You know, it's, it's, it's really an achievement for them. And I think that this is the beginning of you starting to basically put your smart money on them playing in Europe next year. Yeah. So, I mean, with that, Roma, obviously uh, eight points away from Juve, but now only two points ahead of Napoli. So Champions League, it's, it's just going to be a tighter race now with Napoli. But then, yeah, I want to touch on this. You know, we as Roma fans, it kind of like the the most fun thing, or basically like the default thing to do with Roma is basically harp on their underachievements. And you know, yeah, this 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 title run is over. But if you think about it, Roma still does have a lot to play for outside of a Jekyll Capocannonieri, like a definite Champions League position that guaranteed money rolling in. That's going to help Roma a lot, and we got to start somewhere. Not having to claw our way from our third place back in. And if you look at the season we've had, we're better than last year. Our players are definitely improving. And there's a lot to be proud of in this season so far. Yes, it's highlighted by disappointments where we basically lost our you know, secondary Scudetto by being knocked out of Copa Italia by OTFR and a disappointing Europa showing. But this team needs to suck it up, go forward, and say that second place is essentially our Scudetto. We have a tougher schedule than Napoli yeah, we do. in the remaining games. We play three out of the top seven teams, and they only play one. We have to knuckle down and pull out these wins and you know distance ourselves or just take the second place. Because when we talk about Roma dropping to third place and having to do another play-in, yeah. that's the uh-oh for me. That's the disappointing season. Yep. Yeah. That's the disappointing part. You know, again, uh, not to be too pessimistic, but it, it almost seems like every single time you lower the bar this season, it's, uh, it's another disappointment around the bend. So until I see that second place solidified, you know, I'm going to be a little skeptical. You're going to continue to be a Roma fan. That's be right. skeptical. <laughs> so Roma's got 72 points, uh, just two points ahead of Napoli. But Atalanta, guys, they are in fifth place with 60 points, just one point behind OTFR. 23 points better than they were at this stage last year. Fantastic uh, statistic there. Absolutely. They got a little bit of noise coming behind them with the two Milan teams, uh, just two points behind them. But even though I don't think the top three are there for them, um, you know, good for them for being a top five team at this point. I, I, I do. They're the Cinderellas. I hope they can uh, uh, stick with it. All right, guys, the third game. We got Napoli and Udinese. This one finished 3 nothing. The Neapolitan, Napolitan, are riding high as they inch closer to second place with Roma with this easy 3 nothing victory over Udinese. First half, arguably more boring than HBO's girls finale. I know both of you guys watched it, I'm sure. Yeah, isn't uh, Fat Boy G the main character in that? <laughs> I'm glad you guys are culturally uh, astute. 
So we're just going to jump straight to the second half, and Napoli wakes up and quickly. We got 47th minute, Drace Mertens finishing the through ball with a curler from 25 yards out, made it look easy, fantastic goal. A couple minutes later in the 63rd, we've got Alan, a bullet from a giveaway. Uh, Udinese gave up the ball on their own 18, and he finishes it nice and easy. Uh, great shot. And then finally in the 72nd minute, Tad, your favorite name to say? You want to throw it out there? Oh, Halihon. There you go. He's got a fake hard volley and just softly volleys it right into the corner. And that's your game, guys. 3-0, easy Napoli win. They're already in the top three and, and really look like a good team that belongs uh, in the top three for sure. Post-game, Sarri seems really content with where Napoli is. Um, they're an interesting team this year, right? They're on the cusp of a guaranteed Champions League spot after losing Iguain to, to Juve last year um, during the summer. So got to be feeling pretty good losing one of your all-stars and you're already in the hunt for uh, finishing where you did last year. Of course, the caveat here is De Laurentiis. He's still the president, and just like last year, guys, the Il Chiotone comment helped, helped Higuain uh, in deciding to leave for Juve. Both Mertens and Insigne have yet to sign for next year, and so sorry had a comment on that. The quote was, I'm in no position to appeal for anything. I just said those two guys are representative of the team's run, and if we want to continue building that work, it's right that they remain here with Napoli. If we don't want to carry on that particular approach, then they should go. So the question, guys, and I interpret that to say, hey, everybody, we have a good nucleus here, but President De Laurentiis, he kind of find ways to screw this up for us. Um, kind of like a 1990s George Steinbrenner digging up dirt on Dave Winfield, crushing team morale, and uh, there you go. That's, that's why you, you ban an owner like that, just like Steinbrenner. Uh, the question, guys... What's holding Napoli together? They've had two great runs last year and this year. Is it the strong group of players? Is it Sarri? Or is it De Laurentiis making shrewd business moves? I mean, look, it's a combination of all three. That's the easy answer probably, but it's true, man. I mean, look, when you get massive performances out of players like Mertens, Callejon, Insigne, Hamsik, you know, season in and season out, it's a testament to the quality of the players and a testament to the quality of the coach. Now, you know, in order to bring in players to a team like Napoli and and have players of that caliber all staying at, on the same team, I mean, yeah, they got rid of Iguain. They probably could have gotten rid of, of Mertens last year because, remember, he wasn't playing that much last year and he was obviously a super talent. You know, so credit to Di Laurentiis too, guys. I think the organization has done a great job to put him in a position to have success. And by the way, they have some world-class players. Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to make Di Laurentiis the kind of the scapegoat for anything that's bad um, for Napoli. But at the same time, like he keeps on bringing these great players there and he makes savvy business moves. And if you want to say, okay, look, you had the Capo Cannonieri um, and the all-time single-season goal scorer for uh, uh, the Serie A in Higuain, and he leaves because he doesn't like you, well, I'm sure that every other owner or team president in the entire soccer world would like to get 90 million euros for every disgruntled player they send to another team, even if it's another team in their, within their division. And then that trickles down to sorry. You know, I mean, what were we talking about at the beginning of the season? Where are Napoli going to get the goals? And their big goal scorer to start out with was uh, was, was Milik, and he tears his ACL. Well, fast forward to today, and they have four players in Serie A with 10-plus goals. So, And Mertens, I mean, Mertens is a straight-up number nine. I mean, he's a center forward that's scoring out of his, you know, scoring out of his ace, out of his culo. Now, the one chink in the armor for Sarri is, is he didn't, convert Gabbiadini into a star player who has now moved on to the Premier League is having a great time uh, and, you know, having, having a great season. But, you know, his organization has, has, has kept them in it. And then the players, I mean, snap, they don't have a whole lot of depth, but they have strong players in every phase of the game. So, yeah, uh, long story long, I agree with, uh, with M-Dog. <laughs> that nickname's going to stick for Marco. He, he really wants that. Uh, I, with that. I only like it when you say it, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my theory on this, you can't pick your owner, and so DeLontris owns the team. He's going to say stuff that probably doesn't help the team. I give a lot of credit here to Sari because, to your point, uh, Tad, 
you, you got people going down with injuries and other people are stepping up based on your formations, based on your decisions. He is in the running for other uh, teams, apparently, in the never-ending uh, transfer rumor market and, and coaching market this summer. Well, well it's crazy. I, saw, I read this week that this is the only time all season that he's played consecutively the same starting 11 the entire season. That's incredible. So that's keeping him guessing. That's also playing through injuries. Yep. So, uh, yeah, credit to Sarri. Uh, um, Napoli is a dangerous team. On the other side of the coin, we got Udinese's perspective. They seemed content with parking the bus here. Wish they could have parked it 45 minutes longer in this game. But Del Neri, their coach, with a little positive spin at the end. Quote, our plan is to build some foundations for the future, as this club has its DNA, a challenge for Europe. Remember, guys, we're talking about Udinese here, challenging for Europe. And something more than mere Serie A safety. It's an aspirational quote for sure, but I'm pretty sure Udinese is pretty content with just staying in the Serie A, and that's it. Well, they must be feeling pretty cocky. They've been unbeaten since the end of February with three wins and two draws, but it is Udinese. Napoli thrashes another team. And look, we all know what Udinese does best. So when I think he says, you know, our plan is to build some foundations for the future, I think it's to make some future dough. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. We've got Napoli, guys, in third place with 70 points, just two points off from Roma, and Udinese with big dreams of Europe, (laughs) down in 11th place with 40 points. So best of luck to the little zebras. It's going to be a little bit longer. Up next, guys, we got OTFR playing Genoa. This one finished in a 2-2 draw. OTFR continue to stall, and both coaches get the boot in a rowdy one. Tad, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, this game played in uh, one of Marco's favorite stadiums, or excuse me, uh, Cane di Emme, um, one of his favorite stadiums up, up in Genoa. You know, it's a 2-2 draw. And OTFR, I mean, we've been talking week in and week out how trash, just trash um, Genoa's been. But apparently all they needed to do was you know, fire their coach. And listen to the podcast yeah, to fire them sure. up. Br- bring, bring that Urich guy back. And Simeone returns, returns the score sheet this game. For the first time since January 29th. So, hey, we got Simeone back uh, playing well. They score. And then sub Goran Pettiv, who to me basically looks like he should be selling bootleg cigarettes outside the stadium. Um, you know, puts one in and almost seals the game winner uh, for them in stoppage time. But Strakosha has maybe my save of the week uh, to keep it as a 2-2 game. But uh, the story of this game, guys, is just how rowdy it was. Both coaches get sent off basically for losing their minds. Um, you know, Happy Easter! Yeah, uh, the the Genoa fans get sorry. Genoa gets fined seven thousand euros uh, because one of the fans threw a pack of snacks that hit one of the referees, and also <laughs> they get fined another twenty five hundred bucks for uh, uh, one of their ball boys stalling and holding on to the ball. I mean. Come on, you can't do it. The Genoa's been in free fall, and that kid just just loves his Genoa team and is going to hold on that ball desperately trying to get that 2-1 victory. Look, you could feel it in the air. I mean, it's it's the kind of game that, you know, Simeone scores, and he hasn't scored in a long time, and he is absolutely going berserk when he scores. Then Bilja scores the PK, and he, he celebrates it like, I mean... Every goal this game was celebrated like it was the goal of the Champions League finals. Unbelievable. You know, Goran Pandev, uh, I saw a stat that he hasn't scored in like three years. He rips his shirt off. It's like, dude. He had a full head of hair last time he scored. I swear, man. (laughs) I mean, look, he's got, he used to play for OTFR as well. So if you guys remember that. Uh, And then he went to Inter and won the tripleta with uh, Mourinho. So look, big game with a lot of passion. We love to see that stuff. Keep some of that funny business out. That would be nice. Well, too. No, you're talking about this crazy game too, and, and Danilo Cataldi, uh, who you know, if you know, he's on loan to Genoa from from OTFR. Um, apparently, celebrates when Padev scores. Now, if you know anything about Cataldi, he's he's straight up OTFR OTFR Ale Yale. However, you do it the way we, we're supposed to do it without you know our heads exploding from saying a word or having to put money in the swear jar. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he celebrates. You know, we got this, you know, this super emotional game, and, you know, they, they go up and, and, and um, they, they come back even, 2-2, and the OTFR Ultras lost their mind. I mean, they, 
they wrote this big long letter things like we consider this an insult to otfr and its fans <laughs> from someone like, like you has who has always declared himself to be an otfr la we wish you a lengthy career at genoa because there is no place for someone like you at otfr goodbye and goodbye and thank That's you the best part goodbye and thank you straight <laughs> up but hurt I mean, and then uh, uh, Cataldi writes this like four paragraph thing about how, you know, like he's a competitor, but, you know, his heart and his mind is in OTFR. He's been in since he's 12 years old. Guys, wh- what is this? What is this that you as, as a person who's a fan cheering in the stands think that like you have every right to ban players who are actually your hometown grown people for cheering in a game that they aren't even in. What's up with this? Yeah, guys, I, I, you know, it's that age-old thing of uh, either accept the thought that any player who's in the NBA t- and uh, any professional team or whatever is from your home team and they stay with them for their entire career, or you accept the fact, hey, it's a businessman. And so, like, but, he, but he's on loan. He's coming back. And yeah. You're basically saying, you know, well, like, who do you think you are? Yeah, that that analogy doesn't work for the other sports. But uh, passions run deep in the Serie A, man. That's the game you play when you when you go from one Serie A club to the next. And uh, you know, I I don't mind it. I, I think are, are it, I think passion? it adds a little bit of uh, drama in the whole thing. Passions run deep. These guys sat down and wrote this, then put it out. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like man. that third sentence, you got to be like. Bro, are we are we overreacting yeah, a little bit? That's right. that's Danilo. I mean, he 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 grew up. Uh, He's my neighbor. <laughs> yeah, he grew up in Frascati. What are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, even like the sale part, right? When Pianic left, I mean, I don't feel good about it, but I don't hate the man now, right? I mean, and I'm not less of a Roma fan because I don't hate Pianic yeah, exactly. for doing something that's best for him. I mean, all the guy did was just celebrate a goal that he didn't score, yeah. and to like look at, I mean, like. That's just to me a bunch of fans that are really upset with now. There's no chance of them vying for the Champions League. They're just looking for some reason to be angry about something at someone, no matter how ridiculous it is. So with that, guys, we got OTFR in fourth place. They're 61 points, so they're a ways. They got uh, nine points between them and Napoli. So Ted, I think you're right. They're they're pretty far from the top three. And then we've got Lowly Genoa down in 16th place with 30 points. Safe from relegation, but still, they're at the bottom. Let's take a quick break, and we're going to jump into the middle of the pack. This week's episode of Curve America is brought to you by Sumner Furniture. Sumner Furniture are office furniture experts based in the Washington, D.C. metro area. They provide high-quality new and used office furniture for all-size jobs, ranging from just one chair to million-square-foot offices. Sumner provides space designs, commercial moves, delivery and installation for projects nationwide. Check out their website, SumnerFurniture.com, or their eBay store. Contact them and mention Curve America for an additional 10% off any new or used office chair. All right, guys, starting off the middle of the pack with the, the game of the week, uh, I would have to say. It's the Derby della Madonnina, the Derby of Milan, Milan versus Inter. This one finished 2-2, and it delivers. This game did not disappoint, unless you're maybe you're an, you're an Inter fan. So the biggest news coming from before the whistle, Milan officially has new owners. We've been talking about this for months now. Thank God. Yep. The Rossoneri Sport Investment Lux. Guys, there's a joke in there somewhere with a name like that. I haven't thought of it yet, but give us a, a couple more games. We'll, we'll we'll get to it. Sounds like prestige worldwide. Yes, yeah, exactly. Something the money team, something like that. So, but the uh, the face of the organization, Yong Hong Lee, has purchased the team from the former face, Silvio Berlusconi, who now has facelift and hair plug money for days. Guys, your thoughts on Berlusconi's reign from start to finish. He started 31 years ago. This is an interesting stat for me. He bought the team for $8 million in early 1990s money and has now sold the team for 778 million euros, I guess. What do you think of Berlusconi's reign? Hate the man for his political views and and all the, the different things that he's done illegally and, you know, whatever. Defile basically <laughs> plundered Italy for the last. <laughs> but 
the you know if you listen to player interviews, um, they will say that that Berlusconi was a good president. You know, does that have anything to do with the fact that he pays them? Maybe. <laughs> But there's Red no guy. there's oh, no yeah. doubt that under this guy's reign, which is obviously long, uh, it was also very illustrious. Uh, I mean, how many how many Champions Leagues did they win? How many times did they win the league? I mean, he put them on the global stage, and you know, not that they needed any help with that, but they are you know a team that has history now. They have they have championship pedigree, and everybody knows AC Milan. Berlusconi was a big part of that. Yeah, I'd have to say, uh, um, you know, he did a lot of good things for the club. Um, he, he bought them in their heyday, right? I mean, early 1990s, I think it's hard to argue, Serie A was the league back then. That's when he bought them, and they had big results back then. So he kept them relevant. So it's he's an interesting guy. He's, he's a charismatic historical figure. You have to give him that. And so we'll see what uh, uh, Milan do, do with the new owners. Already he's trying to recoup some of that money with the broadcasting rights. This game went off at 12.30 in Italy time, but apparently one of the factors of the start time was 12.30 in Italy is Chinese prime time. So shout out to all the Milan clubs here in the East Coast, uh, waking up at 6.30 a.m. Eastern time for them. Loving the dedication for kegs and eggs, uh, watching your club. But uh, the, the uh, Chinese market is very relevant now to the Milan team. And so uh, this game went off at 12.30 with that in mind. Um, to the game itself, it's actually Inter who starts this off. And uh, Tad and I in particular got to eat a little bit of crow here because we didn't think Inter was going to bounce back very well after uh, their historic loss to Crotone last week. But Kondreva in the 35th minute and Icardi in the 44th both striking for Inter, and 2 nothing at halftime, you got to feel pretty good about Inter. For Kondreva's, it was just a little trip shot over the golden child Donnarumma, and then Icardi's right before half, takes a through ball from Perisic for the tap-in, nice and easy, and there you go, 2 nothing. You're thinking, Derby della Madonnina. All right, Inter fans, we got this locked up pretty good. Second half, the Rossoneri come back and come back hard. In the 83rd minute, Romagnoli, cross comes in, and he volleys at home, Great goal. And then the drama happens, guys. This game finished with goal line technology. It is 2017 after all. With Baca's goal in the 97th minute, he hits it off the crossbar, straight down, and the decision from above is decided in Milan's favor. It was a goal, and we have a 2-2 draw. What do you mean, like from the Lord? From from the technology <laughs> beings. Happy Easter. <laughs> So yeah, uh, question for you guys of just, we're in the 97th minute in a derby. If you're an Inter or a Milan fan, frankly, is that too much time for extra time? No, not necessarily. Um, there's, there's a lot of stalling tactics that are going on. Inter's trying to hold on to this one. They used all their subs. Um, you, know, the, 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 you don't want to be the guy that ends the derby too short. So I, th- I thought it was plenty of time. Yeah, me, I agree with that and... It was just it was just awesome to see, you know. It's it's what it's all about. And uh shame on some of those Inter fans who ended up who I saw were leaving early so that at the end of the game some of the seats were behind the goals were were starting to get empty. That's a big no-no there. Well, it was uh, it certainly didn't disappoint, guys. Uh great game. Uh Milan storming back late in the game to win this one. Uh sorry, to draw this one and uh but, but going on your run of form and what we were talking about last week uh, with Inter is they got to look at this draw as basically a loss. I mean, they escaped with their lives, this goal line technology that's a bit controversial. To me, it looked like it went in, whether or not it did or it didn't. They were in the hunt, purely Inter. They needed three points. They needed to leapfrog Milan in this game to get back into the race for Europa. They they The draw gives them only one point, hashtag obvious things podcasters say, um, and they remain behind Milan. You know, they, they got to they walk away this game feeling like a loss since they dominated and basically had this game in the first half all sewn up. Yep, and, uh, you know, we, we said uh, last week, guys, I mean, just races within races here of just five, six, and seven, there are four points in between those teams vying for a Europe spot. 
that's just awesome. And two of them are from Milan. You got Inter and AC going after it with uh, Atalanta just ahead of both of them. Um, really exciting stuff. Um, really feeling for uh, both the Milan and Inter fans. Great game for them. Hopefully that action continues in the final run here of uh, of the season. This uh, this Chinese owner stuff is shown in the game and in prime time in China, guys. I mean, I hope it's something they don't keep up. They should they shouldn't be scheduling the games for anybody outside the domestic audience unless Roma wants to have their games on in the East Coast of the United States afternoon every every week. That's fine. <laughs> but you get these these new owners in, and finally the sale is here. And now, you know, there's money for Milan to spend. And this, this new guy, Yong Hong Lee, who comes in talking about spending money like his name is Yong Hung Lee, uh, you know, he says he's going to spend $130 million. And 50, the players on his short list are like Abameyang, Benzema, Morata, Fabregas, De Rossi, Pellegrino. You know, I mean, they, they just agreed to uh, uh, terms with Musacchio, apparently, Bareca. Uh, Alberto Mourinho, if they lose out on Delafoe, they're going to go after Chieta Balde or Berardi. Uh, you know, I mean, they just, just every time the team comes, even Baccalini comes in, he's like, dude, I'm about ready to spend some bread. <laughs> and these guys are apparently going to spend $130 million and they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to pick up LeBron James. It's like, no, you're not, unless you get into Champions League or Europe. Yeah, and and one of the key points I thought was uh, of the Milan Milanisti that you have now. Are you going to sign Donnarumma? Are you going to sign these? Oh, big they're, players? their number one. Their number one priority is to sign Donnarumma and probably like try and keep Suso, trying to hold on to what they have. I mean that that's that's not even out there. But I mean like how long it took for them for the sale to go through, and you're one of these guys' agents or one of these teams you're going to buy one of these players from. Right. I mean what what's this? Show me the money. Yeah, for sure. It's like okay. Um, I'm going to give you 20 on Tuesday, yeah. um, and then I'm going to give you 15 and some change on the third of every month for the next 25 years. Is that good? Milan having a Jerry Maguire moment there. Yep. Let's keep rolling, guys. We've got another derby, actually, the Derby di Toscana, Fiorentina and Empoli. This one finished 2-2, and it's gotten bad enough in Florence that they are blaming the rest for losing to Empoli at home in the Tuscan Derby. This game is summed up in the stoppage time, man. It's one-to-one. Pucciarelli for Empoli turns his man on a dribble and appears to trip over himself as he shoots, but at that point, Valero is coming up behind him for the challenge. The ref from his vantage point apparently thought he saw saw contact. He awards a PK, and Manny Pasquale converts to give Empoli the win two-to-one. Right after that, Kalinich's head explodes in a mushroom cloud of expletives and gets the unceremonial post-final whistle red card that has now seen it basically um, blossom into a two-game ban. Basically, he gets to watch the next two games at home in his undies, which we all know are going to be like that diaper tidy whitey thing since he plays in the Serie A, and that's what they wear. But, you know, it just leads the in the post-game for Fiorentina president Cognini, I mean, he just goes ham on the refs. Uh, the press was unanimous in defining the refereeing decision as disastrous for a derby. Mistakes so evident that it seems strange that a refereeing team could even commit them. You know, on and on and on. And we are tired of this. Some refs have been particularly unfortunate with us. We have always reacted correctly, but our composure does not make the errors that penalize us any less serious Guys, this is coming from the team that like has been on the fence about Sousa all year, on the fence about you know their big players' contracts, maybe selling Kalinic, don't know what they're going to do with Bernadeschi. Where is Fiorentina at right now? I'd say clearly they're Crotone fans because uh, they're just not playing along here. I mean, Fiorentina, they're, they're just outside of that race within a race, right? Atalanta, Milan, and Inter. They're four points behind them trying to vie for Europe. A lot of things have to happen for them to, to, to go there. So I think they're going to end up just on the outside of European challenges here. And, you know, that's going to that's gonna hurt them for trying to get uh, bigger talent and, and, and bigger uh, names for next season. So I'm just going to stick with it. Empoli's not playing fair. They're, they're, they're taking away points from Crotone here by, by pulling away here. Yeah. I mean, Fiorentina really piss away these three points. They really could have used them, as you guys said, to get into that European contention. But you lose the Derby 
at home. <laughs> I'm still laughing. That we're, too empoli. Too we're empoli. calling it a derby with empoli. I, I know it's a derby, but it's not a derby. It's sad and uh, maybe the nail in the coffin for our man Sousa, even though he looks so calm all the time. So do you think, what do you think, uh, does this affect anything? Is he going to get fired and then he's, promoted? He, he's going to get fired and then they're going to hire D. Francesco. All right. So you heard it here first. You heard it here first. That's right. So we got, as I mentioned, Fiorentina right on the outside of Europe with 52 points and lowly Empoli taking, uh, uh, advancing ahead of my Crouton Nation. They're in 17th place, just above the danger zone with 26 points, five points away from, from uh, the danger zone. Keep rolling on, guys. We've got Sassuolo and Sampdoria next. This one finished 2-0. Battle for useless three, useless three points in this one. And it goes to Sassuolo. The ex-Cinderella's hitting form a crucial moment of the season. Good for them. All right, it's going to stick this time. M-Dog, go for it. I heard a little irony right there uh, with the you know hitting crucial form at the moment of the season. Look, Sampdoria start the scoring in the 27th minute with just about the luckiest goal I've ever seen, uh, at least this season. Silvestre, a defender, a guy who looks like he's been cut from the uh, WWE <laughs> tour like 15 times. I mean, he barely ever shoots. He takes a shot from outside the box, hits off Schick, who's, who's really just turning to protect his beautiful little face, and it's, the ball loops up in the air. And lands in the side netting. I mean, unbelievable. I think I heard a mamma mia coming through the television screen. But uh, Samp up, one nothing, uh, And here we go. Ragusa. Yusa. Honestly, may, just had himself a great game. I think he was the man of the match. He ties the game in the 45th. Uh, and then Archerbi scores a header off the corner to go for the go-ahead goal and the game-winning goal. Guys, when Achebe scores, he ran to the corner flag and he's doing this like gooseneck Loch Ness monster celebration. What, what do you guys think that was? You think that it, was it just was the, the gooseneck? It, it was the it was the drunken master snake karate form. <laughs> Better than lifting your leg on a corner flag. That's the worst one I've seen so far. What this if you year? put the gooseneck and then lifted his leg? I think Ty would have liked that one. Yeah, <laughs> I would I would have enjoyed that one. Guys, I mean you know, Samp will be disappointed to drop points to the ex-Cinderellas uh, because they they had more shots, possession. I mean, overall, they outplayed Sassuolo, but, you know, ne- neither of these teams really needed this point this week. At, at this point of the season, as a player, you're trying to keep to earn your keep for the next year, and you're trying to boost your stock for the summer transfer window. We know that Sassuolo has a couple players like Defrel, Ragusa, I mean, these players could be seeing their way out, even Berardi. But what about Sampdoria? Any players there that stand out to you guys that, that could be on the way out for sure? It depends on price tags. I mean, obviously, uh, Quagliarella, Quags is, is more than likely going to stay unless, you know, another, like an Atalant or something like that sells a bunch of people and they realize they don't have anybody that can score, so they overpay for him. But I think it definitely just, it just depends on money. I think you could see the babyface killer, I'm going somewhere else uh, if the price is right. If a team is, he's not going to go and be a featured striker somewhere else. But if if another team falls on hard times and he's willing to go for like you know 15 million, I think you could see him going somewhere else. The biggest prospect is Schick, but I saw this week he's entering into negotiations to stay with them. I don't really think he's earned what um, what Samp is going to want. For him, should he go somewhere else? So he's, I think he's going to be around another year, and they're probably going to throw a, a, a buyout clause on there, a certain amount of money, um, in case he just blows up next season. It's interesting for these teams that just in the table, right? I mean, there's got to be so much desire for a potential fire sale if you're a player, and just uh, even as the owners, right? I mean, you're safe, but how much money can you make to, to rebuild for next season? Because you're not really playing for a lot. There's no chance either of these teams are vying for Europe or, or anything else. Unless uh, John Cena is looking for a tag team partner, <laughs> um, then maybe Di Silvestri will, right. will leave again and go back to the tour. Yeah, love the reference. Well done, Marco. He definitely looks like the wrestler, too, that has like the long spandex pants, not like the undies spandex <laughs> right. pants. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Oh, yeah. Need that? Need the right style in WWE. That's what I'm wearing right now. <laughs> when are you not wearing that? That's Martin? right. 
All right, guys. So we got Sampdoria in 10th place with 45, and we've got former Cinderella Sassuolo in 15th place with 35 points. Keep it going here. Up next, we've got Torino and Crouton Nation, Crotone. This one finished 1-1. Crouton Nation continues to rack up points, this one being a draw. Question right off the bat's got to be, how many points is Crotone going to score this season? I guess they've, uh, what, they've almost doubled the amount yeah. that we've already said that we were guessing at the beginning of the season. No, they've almost tripled it. We said nine. They're at 21 already, so... The, the correct answer for this one, guys, is just yeah. enough. Yeah, one more than Empoli. Just enough to beat Empoli for that last spot. <laughs> well, look, guys, you know, Torino this game, they got to be just besides themselves at the end of it. They had 24 to 8 in shots. They had 72% of the possession, uh, and the entire game is basically them shooting at Cortaz. Uh, guys, I think Cortaz had to basically change out his gloves at halftime, uh, the same way an F1 driver has to change out their tires just from complete overusage. Seven saves, and you know, granted, some of it was poor finishing on Torino's part, but Cortaz, man, really boosting his stock this season. And he has earned the right, I think, to play at a bigger club. What do you guys think? What's a bigger club than Crotone? <laughs> Is there such a thing? I guess it's all perspective. <laughs> Bellotti finally breaks the deadlock in the second half when he dribbles into the box and basically successfully fishes a PK out from the ref. I see him sticking his leg out, tripping himself with the other player. I don't know. It's it's a classic dive. I mean, it looks like a foul, but he, you know, it's one of those fouls that you look for as a, as a striker. Slots on the PK and keeps his status as king of the hill. Capo Cananieri. Andrea Belotti converted a second penalty out of five attempts this year, and he becomes the fifth Italian striker since 1962 to score 25 goals in a single Serie A season. And this is after Signore Beppe. Totti, Luca Toni, and Antonio Di Natale. So he's, you know, maybe that price tag is not looking so big right now, considering the, the, the quality of those players. Amazing. Really amazing. Guys, all seems lost for the croutons until the 80th minute when Joey the Heartbreaker blunders across. That When the ball comes across the face of the goal, you know Simi's there to grab the tap-in goal. I mean, while Cortaz has upped his stock, I think... Joe Hart has really dropped his. I mean, he had basically zero saves to make the entire game and still managed to mess it up. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, if you were if you were taking a goalie for one game right now at this point, would you take Cortaz or would you take Joey Bagadonis? I think I'd take Cortaz. You're right. I would He's take made Cortaz. five errors directly leading to goals this season, and he is only behind the worst goalie in the Serie A, Joseph Pasovec. I, I got to say, I mean, I love having the English national team's player in our league. I think that's great. But how much longer is that going to last? I mean, yeah, he has it, not had a good season. The novelty's with, worn off. Yeah. The croutons bite, scratch, and claw for yet another golden point. I mean, there seems to be hope still for survival, but it doesn't help. When Damn Empoli, right, Marco. <laughs> it doesn't help when, when Empoli grabbed three points away to Fiorentina. Crouton's future is in the Tuscan side's hands. Yep. No, absolutely right. So you've got uh, uh, Crouton Nation down there scratching and crawling their way, trying to get out of the danger zone with 21 points. They're in 18th place. <laughs> they get a point against ninth place Torino here. Torino's got 45 points. Uh, again, just on the cusp of Europe, but but really too far to be realistically hoping for it. All right, guys, we'll keep rolling. We've got Kievo and Cagliari. This one finished 4 nothing. Everybody on Kievo is terrible in this game. <laughs> Tad, you got this one. Yeah, we'll start off with, with the Donks. Uh, Lucas Castro, who did not play well this game, managed to have five shots on goal, uh, one of the which could have been the save of the week from Rafael. Um, his second shot, brilliant save by Rafael, keeps Castro at the back of the net. That could have made this game 4-1. to one. <laughs> From the opening whistle, Isardi are all over the donks. Taxidis has one blocked from distance, only for Marco Borriello 
to emerge from a pile of <laughs> naked, writhing men, women, and Easter bunnies, chocolate smeared all over his face, and lays a Cadbury egg in the back of the net off a rebound. Boom. Boriello. Very nice. Yeah, I mean, it, look, Boriello has 15 goals this season, and it's his best campaign since he scored 14 for Milan. I mean, and Marco Sal broke his goal drought after four months. It's really, uh, oh, Speaking, all in all, just a good day. Speaking of which, yes, a few minutes later, Marco Sal emerges from a pile of goal-scoring obscurity to double lead and cause our Lord and Savior Jesus to rise briefly to acknowledge Marco Sal is still a Serie A goal scorer. And like you said, Marco, that's his first in four months. Um, Calgary goalkeeper Roberto Colombo was able to confirm the identity of Jesus Christ because he remembered him from high school. <laughs> Roberto Colombo is the oldest player to ever be featured in a Serie A game. This sorry is the oldest player to be featured in a Serie A game this season. At how old did we put this boy at? Forty-one years and eight months. Mm. So Chris, there's still hope for you in the Serie A. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It t- it'll take until the return of our Lord for uh, Bostian Cesar to live down his defending on this goal from Marco Sao as he gets his ankles broken like he was trying to def- defend Kyrie Irving in a Pacers uniform. But from here on out, after the 2-0, it was just the Joe Pedro show. He knocks in two more for Calgary, the second of which he basically just picks up a backline terrible pass, pump fakes a couple times, and leaves defender Spoli and goalkeeper Seculin on you know, on the Kulos doing the crab walk, you know what I'm talking about? Um, basically doing the crab walk, trying to knock this thing down like the hail from the Chesapeake Bay. You know, all that can really be said about this game is the Donks played straight garbage. They were, they've been outscored 12-2 to in their last four, including a 2-1 loss to Mighty Crotone, which anymore is not sounding so embarrassing. That's and right. Basically, Cattery is rewarded by this garbageness for jumping them on the table the 12th place. 12 is coincidentally the number of Easter Bunny marriages Borello managed to break up with his post-game Easter Sunday godless actions. Class. All right. Happy Easter to everyone with all those biblical references. Borello gets down with Easter Bunnies. He shows no distinction when it comes to the lovemaking. I saw Chris tuck his cross into his shirt during that whole thing (laughs) right there. Happy Easter. All right. We've got Kievo in 13th place with 38 points. And Colliery right above them on goal differential. Colliery's in 12th place with 38 points as well. Final game to finish off week 32, guys. We are going to your favorite zone. The danger zone. Hey, speaking of which, are we hunting down Widow Richard or what? We're, we're hoping so. If anyone's got close contact with Richard Whittle, we reached out to him. We saw on Facebook he did some of the uh, commentary for uh, a Syria um, interview. He, he did the translation in English. And we are hoping to meet this guy over in Italy when we're over there for Roma Wedding Derby. We basically just want to ask him if he'll come to a Roma game in D.C. and judge our Whittle Richard lookalike contest that we do at the end of every season. Um, is it weird if I show him my giant back tattoo of him? I got a lot of tattoos, apparently, this podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah, you run out of space. That's right. Uh, so, Richard Whittle, if you're out there, we'd love to meet you with Pace. All right, guys. Run to us with Pace. <laughs> Up first, we've got uh, In the Danger Zone. The only game this week is Palermo and Bologna finished with a cracker of a match. 0-0. Palermo not able to take advantage of a first-half red card remain entrenched in the danger zone, they're getting relegated. Marco, you got this one. I mean, for Palermo, if there was a game to steal three points and create even the slightest opportunities for salvage, this was the one. Bologna midfielder picks up a red card in the 27th minute of the game uh, on what looks like descent. And I I wrote it in the notes as decent. So that's how you know I've been working hard these days. And then you start thinking, man, Palermo's at home. It's a sunny day on the island. And here is the chance for three points. But of course, this is Palermo. The Rossonero go all out. They just start pummeling Bologna with the whole game. 18 shots to nine. Possession 60-40. But the funny thing is, if you watch the highlights, you'll see that Di Francesco from Bologna just misses three glorious chances 
Uh, I mean, Bologna really could have win, won this game. Diamanti misses his own sitter towards the end of the second half. Enrique should have had really scored. He had a couple chances. But 0-0 is what you're getting from this game. It's a miserable point for Palermo and a decent one for Bologna, who kept Be- Destro on the bench this game. Uh, and we missed Destro, don't we, guys? Oh, yeah. Psych! <laughs> uh, all right, the other big news uh, we definitely got to mention. So Palermo, who is notorious for firing their coaches, fired Il Mister Diego Lopez in this one right b- before the game. Um, I don't know if he was officially fired or resigned. But uh, he's gone, so guys, what's the difference? Guys, you guys are looking at this all the wrong way. I've been listening to both of you. This is a positive game for Palermo. The Baccalini era is here. <laughs> this is for real. He stands on his own two feet and makes his own firing with with his own decisions, not not under the, the shadow of Zamperini anymore. He gets to fire like an adult. And not only that, he gets a draw. That's the first point Palermo's had <laughs> since since Ro- Roberto Colombo was in his 20s. Uh, and not only that, he gave a press conference after he fired Mistar Lopez where he like sounded like he like a pretty straight up dude and he said he's offered reward to Palermo players if they stay up in Serie A. What could that reward be? We must know. Oh, it, the joke writes itself, Tad. He made him an offer they can't refuse. Being, oh, yeah. being Palermo and the Godfather, this oh, yeah, goes together. Hey, I'll give you guys a reward if uh, we make uh, you know a million dollars off this podcast next week. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Hey, man, we we are rooting for Palermo, but uh, we're going to be rooting for them in Serie B. Nipple tattoos. <laughs> Hashtag Baccalini. All right, guys, that completes week thirty-two, the Danger Zone. We did it all. We're all very close to checking out and moving on to. Roma Wedding Derby. We yeah. hope you enjoyed this episode because Tad is on his way in a few more days here. Yeah, I'm out of here, guys. You're gonna you're gonna miss me next week, or you won't. We'll see. Is this is this the first episode that I w- I won't be on? It could be. It yeah. very well could be. Um, right as it right into Syria uh, podcast uh, crew of America, and we also got T-shirts today. We forget, we failed to mention that we put it up on Twitter. We'll put up a picture. The first crew of America T-shirts. Thomas, I don't know if you've quite earned one yet. We gave him a lot of olive oil this season. We have plenty of olive oil. But uh, yeah. All right. So there's week 32, guys. We're looking forward to week 33. Um, but we're even looking more forward to Roma Wedding Derby. Yeah, man. We're going to the Derby, and I'm getting married. The next time I'm on Curve America, I'll, I'll be a married man. That's right. That's Actually, right. I'm already a married man. Leslie and I got married on Monday <laughs> at the courthouse. Real romantic. All right. Thing. Well, we should still go to Rome just to make it official. So until next time, ragazzi, we'll be saying this in Italian probably. Di Arrivederci. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao, ciao, ciao.